Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Introducing children to the world of art in fun ways is the focus of Susan H. McGuire's new book, Resurrecting Artwork, a guide to acting out artwork with children. I'd like to welcome Susan to the Reader House Author Roundtable right now. Susan, thanks for talking with me tonight. Well, and thanks for having me. Now, this is a really important thing you're doing getting kids involved with art. Can you tell me about what you're doing in the book? Well, sure. It's based on a five-year grant project that I did at a local museum where we got children to act out the artwork. And it was connected to whatever their curriculum was for the grade level they had. So the museum had a lot of different types of art and connected with language arts, social studies, even math and science. And music, too. So it was to give the children an interactive experience, enrich their lives, and hopefully have a little fun in an art museum. This is a really fun combination. How challenging was it to write a book, and it involves things involving motion and artwork? How did you combine all these? Well, I took a lot of good notes during the project. (laughs) (laughs) And... Then, you know, revisiting the notes and remembering. And I mean, I've had a career of doing this since the late 80s. So Mm. it's kind of part of what I do with children and what I do in the school. So it it came easy to write about it. Um, About how long were you working on it? Oh, that didn't take too long. As I say, the notes, I had good notes. It didn't really take too long to put things in chapters. It's a short book, okay? (laughs) But it does cover major points of the whole five-year time period. And then working with Fulton Books was wonderful. You know, that Mm. just took whatever the months are that that takes to do. It was in less than a year. Wow, that's great. Yeah, it is really important to find some good people to partner with on this journey because writing a book is a lot of hard work. Have you ever done this before? No, I've never been published. I never had a book published before, no. Wow, congratulations. It's a huge deal. How's it feel now you're officially a published author? It's fine, and it makes me want to continue the process and get some other things that I have completed, published, maybe. (laughs) That's what I was going to ask next. Does this sort of lit a fire to maybe get some more things out there? Yes. I mean, I love the process of writing, and I think that's one of the problems that comes with people who like to write Hmm. because they love to write. And so sometimes a project is never finished because you're editing it or you think Hmm. of a new thing to do. But... I think there's a, some of the books that I have or plays that I just am ready to be done with and move on to a, another creative endeavor. What words of advice would you have for authors out there that want to get their first book out or even just finish their first book? <laughs> Keep doing it. <laughs> mm. I guess, you know, you got to set little goals for yourself. And it certainly helps working with Fulton Books because they had deadlines and whatnot. I mean, if you love to write, then just keep writing. I think having a little bit of distance from it, too, helps. You know, you're not so personally attached and you're Mm. more ready to listen to an editor's suggestions. I think you touched on something good, and that's something else a good publisher will give you, and that's accountability. Because you said, you know, keep writing, just do it. And then Fulton was giving you deadlines and things like that. And that's one of the things a lot of authors fall into. It's 
procrastinating, not getting to it, not feeling like writing, but you just got to sit down and put in that work and get it done. Yeah. And then some projects are too close. You know, I mean, some projects, you really enjoy the process of doing it. Time will just disappear as you're writing. Some things you don't want to put out there in the public. But then there's other projects that you just need to finish and get out there. Absolutely. Well, I encourage our listeners to check this out. This is called Resurrecting Artwork, a guide to acting out artwork with children. It's by Susan H. McGuire, and it's published, like we said, by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere you shop for books on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, at iTunes, and Google Play traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Susan, thank you for joining me tonight. I had a really nice time chatting. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Author Robert Porter has a truly remarkable story to tell about his salvation in his new book, Salvation, Before and After. I'm really happy to be joined by Bob right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Bob, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate that. It is my pleasure. Can you tell me about your book, about salvation before and after? When you read the book, you'll find there's a lot of things that we talked about or I talked about in the before and after situation and how my life was prior to that and how it was after salvation. And for years, I've had uh, many uh, friends of mine and people that I knew, I was asked to go to um, speaking tours on promise keepers and major churches and things. And Mm -hmm. everybody kept telling me I need to write a book on it. However, 30 to 40 years (laughs) passed before I finally did do it. And I I guess I just had time on my hands here with this uh, pandemic thing, so I went ahead and put it together. That's kind of how it came to be. That's what I was going to ask. If something had prompted you after all these years to go ahead and get it ready to be released to the world. Part of the reason for that, though, was this. I'm also involved in uh, what's called the uh, Safer Community uh, Prison Ministry here in the Charlotte metro area. Hmm. And then that ceased when this pandemic thing happened. So I was not able to go in, and we used to go in every Thursday evening and meet with the uh, inmates and so forth and give testimonies and meet with them one-on-one. It was a wonderful time to help touch lives in that situation. But when that happened, everything came to a standstill. Mm -hmm. So one of the purposes of my book was to perhaps get this in the hands of inmates and uh, because they do accept books at various uh, prisons and jails. And so that was one of my major, and that's my target market, if you will. People that have been involved with alcohol, drugs, uh, opioids, and terrible life situations, and uh, they're looking for answers, looking for help. And sometimes they've just given up. Hmm. Because of my testimony, it's, it's, it has been able to make an impact on their lives. But I've got to confront them with it. I can't do this you know, remotely, and that's why the book, it prompted me to do the book. Now, your past experiences certainly qualify you to be able to tell people and to deliver this message of hope. But like I said, I mean, you were really down at rock bottom before God brought you back up. I was. Well, as the book says, I I got to a point where I was so disgusted with my life and in the situation that I was had started to uh, live in, and, and it uh, I just couldn't stand myself, to be honest about it. And I, so I tried to cover up my misery, if you will, with uh, drugs and alcohol and generally just sort of flake out on the world. I didn't care. The book talks about how that salvation came to be and how the Lord spoke to me during that time. Mm. That's when in my life just literally took a change for the better, obviously. Yeah. And it's great that you've written about it. What advice now that you've gone through all this, what advice would you have for aspiring authors that want to get that first book out? 
I think the best thing for me, never having done this before and not having the experience about any of it, was to get online. And I did find things that told me what I needed to do, at least to start. Just put the thoughts down on paper and just to, you don't have to work it all out at the beginning. Just put random thoughts down and just, as I said, check your, your past and pictures, photographs, friends, family, et cetera. If it's about a, a nonfiction sort of situation, it's a little different than it would be, of course, if you're just doing a novel. Mm. I think the best thing to do is just get information down on the paper or at least on the internet or I mean on your um, computer and then, and then go back and massage it because you got time. You know, it's, it just doesn't happen overnight necessarily. So Exactly. Don't give up on another words. <laughs> mm. What a wonderful story you have to tell. And thank you for offering this to encourage and help others. This is Salvation Before and After by Robert Porter. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere that you shop for books on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick and mortar stores as well. Well, Bob, thank you again for joining me here. I had a fantastic time chatting with you. Well, thank you very much for calling. I appreciate it. Have a blessed day. Women have played vital roles in the Bible, and we've been talking about the Lives and Legacies series with author Cheryl Rhodes, where she's been exploring significant women in Scripture. Cheryl joins me again here at the show. Cheryl, thank you again for being here with me. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Of course. How many times has this been now we've talked? Well, this is our fourth time. Wow, wow. And I've enjoyed every moment of it. Thank you. Can you tell me about your new book, Female Disciples? It's the next here in your Lives and Legacy series. Yes. Like all four of the books, this book also is a book about women in the Bible, women in the New Testament who were disciples of Jesus. And like in all the other three books, I've used all of the biblical references for each of the women I could get hold of. Along with that, whatever I could gather from their people group, their family, their spouse, genealogy, posterity. And to that, I've added what I could glean about their culture and history through archaeology and geography and the like. The stories are all from the Bible. The storyline is biblical. But the women become more substantial. Some people say they come to life when they're surrounded with this additional material. All these women, like all humans, have faced tests and trials, some successfully and some less successfully, but there are lessons for all of us in their life experiences. And I've taken just a little writer's license by giving them thoughts and feelings based upon what they do and say in the scriptures. Uh, this is creative nonfiction. You're, you're taking fact. Yes. And like you said, you know, you're adding, you're giving a little bit of license Two things to bring a little bit of life to it. Do you, do you normally read this sort of genre? My preferred reading genre is of several <laughs> different sources. Hmm. I love biographies of Christians and have read stories of missionary biographies by the score. I'm a fan of C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien, George MacDonald. Do you know George MacDonald, Scotland's storyteller? It's another generation. <laughs> Francis Schaeffer, Amy Carmichael. My appreciation for books may have begun when I was a child. I read a book called The Wide, Wide World, written 95 years before I was born, mind you, and that book changed my life. I learned that what we read impacts us, whether we recognize it or not. Some what we read for the good and some not so good. Currently, I'm into books by Jonathan Kahn, Perry Stone, and Bill Solis all on the connection between scripture, end times, and current events. So my 
reading spans. <laughs> mm, it does, but there are some fine authors there. That's that's some great influence you have. Yes. Now, this is the fourth volume in the Lives and Legacies series. This wraps up the series, I believe. Is that correct? I think so. Hmm. It's all of the women I wanted to write about. There are some men I could enjoy writing about, but we'll see what happens. My husband has created an interactive website, Bible Tellers Library, and a lot of the things I've written are going to be uploaded there so that people can go and pick up a scripture, maybe in two or three different versions, and use them for presentation in worship experiences. So I'm still writing. It's just not a book right now. Well, Cheryl, thank you for this series. Thank you for your passion that you have for this. And we are looking forward to seeing what you got coming up next. This is called Female Disciples. It's book four of the Lives and Legacies series by Cheryl Rhodes. It's published by Fulton Books. And you can pick it up everywhere you shop for books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Cheryl, once again, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much again for stopping by the show. Thank you, Corey. You'll go on a wild journey through the recent foreclosure explosion in Kenneth Eric Trent's new book, The Banker's Secret. I'm talking with Kenneth right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Kenneth, thanks for being here with me tonight. Thank you for having me. This sounds like a pretty wild story you're telling here. This is about the recent foreclosure explosion that started, what, in 2008? And continuing through the present time. Mm. What's the book about? How'd you go about this? It's sort of a first-person recounting of my strange experiences in the land of foreclosures in South Florida from, say, I don't know, 2009 uh, up until the present time. Defending homeowners throughout those turbulent years, I really have come to understand some pretty scandalous secrets about the way banks operate in regard to foreclosures and mortgages and uh, something called securitization, which is how they really make money on subprime mortgages, and also uh, something called robo-signing, which was a fairly significant scandal, uh, I guess, back in 2010 and 2011 and sort of got brushed under the rug. And uh, I played a primary role in exposing that, and it should have led to some massive reform, should have really uh, shaken the corrupt you know, financial institutions involved to their core. But instead, uh, our regulators kind of got suckered, if you will, by the big banks, and things are still going on to this day. They're highly disreputable and uh, really strike at the core of, of the things that we caring or conscientious Americans profess to believe in. So I feel that it's my responsibility, my duty, and my pleasure to communicate those things I've learned through that set of unique experiences to my readers and to the public as a whole. Now, The Banker's Secret, of course, just came out, and you're busy getting the word out there about it. Do you have plans for maybe another one after this? Well, yes, I have a couple of ideas. I've had my share of uh, scrapes with the Florida Bar. They probably deserve a little bit of an uh, expose as well. So if they don't treat me well in the near future, you, could, you can anticipate that. And I didn't use all my material for The Banker's Secret. And actually, as a civil attorney, over 16 years, I've encountered some pretty shady cartels, some operations, some wow. some scam-like operations. I mean, with when it, whether it's the healthcare system, whether it's the police. You know, I have lots of experiences that have really helped me to understand several different sorts of disreputable operations that are uh, ongoing in our country. And uh, I sort of fancy myself as uh, you know a high-end whistleblower. And I will blow the whistle for as long as I am blessed to breathe, have enough air to blow through the whistle. That's what I'm going to do. 
Well, Kenneth, thank you for having the courage to be that whistleblower and to get the word out there, to lift the veil on so much of what's going on that so many of us don't see. I encourage our listeners to check this one out. It's called The Banker's Secret by Kenneth Eric Trent. The Banker's Secret, that's S apostrophe, and and the book has an orange cover, sort of like a cityscape with a fiery sunset in the background. It's available on Amazon, Walmart.com, wherever you normally find your eBooks, hardcover, paperback. It's also available uh, as an audio book. So just check it out. The Banker's Secret, Kenneth Eric Trent. I think you'll like it. Fantastic. We're looking forward to it. And of course, it's published by Fulton Books. And I think you should all check it out. Kenneth, thanks again for stopping by the show here tonight. I had a really nice time chatting. Thanks for having me, Corey. It's been a blast. I hope we can do it again sometime soon. The world is constantly changing around us, and it's an increasingly challenging society for young adults to navigate. In her new book, Rules for Having a Successful Spiritual Relationship, author Shelby J. Cartledge gives ideas for getting a foothold today. I'm talking with Shelby right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Shelby, welcome to the show, and thank you for talking tonight. Thank you so much for having me. Can you tell me about what you're talking about in Rules for Having a Successful Spiritual Relationship? Well, it was an inspiration through the Holy Spirit to write this book because of an experience that I had had in the city. I was visiting my daughter, and I saw all these ladies, and I saw all these children, and it was a church, and I think there were about maybe four married couples, and the rest were just ladies with children and families. And I thought, Lord have mercy, something needs to happen here because somebody's not understanding what God intends for us and how he intends for us to live. To try and get the point over to the young ladies that you get to know a man or a person first before you start, you know, a family and before you just give yourself up. You got to have something to start with. And if you experienced everything, I mean, what is left? Mm. And I thought if I could just put something in a book so that they could read it, because most of the time you try to talk to them and they'll get upset and rush away from you. And I just thought something would help us to get on the right track, you know. When you say young people, about what ages are you thinking? Oh, man, they were young. I mean, they were in the choir. And I guess you might say 16, 17, 18. They were young people, you know, and on up in age, but there were no husbands. Mm. (laughs) And there were hardly any boyfriends, you know. I mean, they were just there. (laughs) About how long did it take you to write this and then get it up there in stores? I started after I saw what was going on, and I said, Lord, if I could do something to help. And it was like an inspiration to just put it in a book and kind of give it to them, you know, match it to what they're doing and let them see the wrong and the right. And I started about six months after I got there. And I guess it took me, what, three years, I guess, because I was writing all the time as I was there. And, you know, just writing down what I saw happen from day to day or month to month, you know. And I guess it took me about three years because I didn't publish it right away. And I kept critiquing it and changing stuff, you know, as I read it. And it must have taken about three years. Hmm. Have you written before? Have you ever published anything before? Yes, I have published some spiritual books on the scriptures, you know, and Hmm. stories from the Bible. I have one book called Bible Stories for All Ages, and just different things like that. One on giving and receiving by faith. But this was a different kind of book. (laughs) 
was it an easy one to write? And then when it went to edit, was it easy to sort of edit down so that it was in book format? I still didn't. I didn't know that much about writing book form, <laughs> telling a story. I just told what happened and mm. told what happened to me and tried to, you know, let them see in me and the, the man that I was seeing, you know, let them see how it should be done. And as I was inspired, I just put it on paper. I still <laughs> didn't know if it was the correct form to follow. The book is called Rules for Having a Successful Spiritual Relationship. It's by Shelby J. Cartilage. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing, and you can find it everywhere that you shop for your books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Shelby, thanks again for coming on the show here tonight. I had a really nice time chatting with you. You're very welcome. I did, too. Rekindling joy in the midst of troubling times is at the heart of The Secret in the Clouds, the new book by Ron Sachs and Gay Webster Sachs. Ron's joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Welcome to the show, Ron. Thanks for joining me. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. We're very excited to talk about this book and uh, what we hope it means to America's families. Could you tell me about it, The Secret in the Clouds? It sounds like it's very encouraging. Well, this is the story, uh, while it's fictional, I think it reflects the reality in too many lives in our country during this prolonged pandemic that's extended from 2020 into 2021. Mm. And my wife, who's a licensed mental health counselor, and I decided, let's create some story that helps families with young children deal with loss, particularly the amazingly terrible amount of loss that's been suffered through the COVID-19 pandemic. So The Secret in the Clouds is that story about a seven-year-old girl, joyful child, Sonny Albright, who loses a loved one because of the pandemic and how it transforms her life in a bad way and how she recovers with the help of her family, some mental health counseling, and some fictitious figures that kind of bring the story alive. Mm. Is this a children's book or what sort of audience is this geared toward? Well, we think it is a children's book, but it's also a family book to help children through sadness associated with grief. My wife, again, who was a licensed mental health counselor, lost her own father the day after my wife's 10th birthday. Mm -hmm. That pain is still fresh for her deep into her life. And she knows from being a mental health counselor that children actually needed to be guided through their grief. And a lot of folks think that the best way to do that is to not talk with them about it beyond the immediate loss. And that's absolutely diametrically opposed to what people need to do. The story is intended to help foster that conversation in a safe, comfortable, nurturing way among families, particularly those with children who are suffering loss, not just from the pandemic, but from any kind of loss. So this story is kind of hooked to the COVID-19 tragic era of our lives that we're in. It's very current, but it's also sounds very universal. We've all experienced some sort of loss that's caused us grief in our lives. And so I think this is helpful for a very broad audience. Well, the samples of the book that we've given to educators, to mental health counselors, to hospice executives, and to parents and kids, it's been very well received. And our intent here is to hope for the widest possible distribution of it, either in, in sales of the hard copy or the ebook. And I, I want your listeners to know that all the proceeds from this book that would be earned by my wife and me as authors are being directly donated to hospice, which certainly helps so many people during that difficult passage from life to passing. And mm -hmm. we're very proud of that reality about the book. So the book's going to help a lot of people who read it, but it's also going to help people who need hospice help. What a wonderful, wonderful cause. So is this your first venture into children's book writing? 
Well, it is. I've spent my entire life as a communications person. I was a, a newsman, a newspaper reporter, radio talk show host, television producer and commentator. I've worked for two governors of Florida as their communications director, but I've owned a 25-year-old public relations, public affairs firm. There, I see how important communicating is to get across ideas, to help people with education and counseling. So this book is a little bit of a mental health support for families suffering a loss and helping children through it. It's a little bit of fantasy because of some magical characters introduced in the book to help the main character, Sonny Albright, through her grief. And it's a little bit of science because in the back of the book, we actually show you some different types of basic clouds there are. Mm. Well, Ron, thank you for reaching out and looking to help people. And again, the proceeds going towards hospice, this is really fantastic. I encourage our listeners to check this out. It's called The Secret in the Clouds by Ron Sachs and Gay Webster Sachs. It's published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere you shop for books at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Well, Ron, thanks again for stopping by the show here. I had a great time talking. Well, thanks very much. We so much appreciate the help to promote this important book. Ukraine, international finance, and the complexities therein are explored in S.P. Wingate's new book, the Russians are coming. The money is flowing. America financing Ukraine's corruption. I'd like to welcome SP, Steve, to the show right now. Steve, thank you for being here with me tonight. Thank you, sir, for the honor. Uh, can you tell me about the Russians are coming? What uh, are you talking about here? The Russians are coming. You know, you know, Russia's painted as the boogeyman. I'm still looking for that video of Vladimir Putin ever threatening America. Hmm. We financed the coup there back in 2015. What happened was, after the coup, is now Ukraine has a lot of problems. The Ukrainians have attacked the Russians, minority group that's living in the country. 30% of Ukraine, I believe, is Russian-speaking minorities. And the Ukrainians have killed them. They've backed them into buildings and caught the building on fire and then even shot them when they were jumping out of the windows to get away from the fire. Mm -hmm. So that's what it's about. What inspired you to put this in writing and then get it published? Actually, I wrote the book. It was called Doing It Their Way about the six years that I lived in Ukraine. I had a business there. Prior to that, I worked for a company that dismantled munitions. It's a large munitions manufacturer, Lion Tech Systems, ATK. They were thrown out of the country. We had 70 employees. We bought a building there. We ended up being thrown out of the country. It's just a, a thing that happens in Ukraine. And yet we continue, the U.S. Congress continues to send Ukraine billions, not millions, but billions of dollars, and they're not being held accountable for their actions. Is this your first venture into writing and publishing, or have you done this before? Yes, I wrote this out of frustration after we were thrown out of the country. The name of the book, like I said, was Doing It Their Way. And then when all this started, you know, up to date, when after we financed the coup there and some other things, I changed the name of the book and then added some some stuff that's going on now. What was it like as a first-time author? It's often a lot of hard work that people, I don't think, are fully aware of beforehand. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> Scary. We sent it back and forth to the publisher and they were frustrated with us, I'm sure, but they were patient with us. Then I had some help. We rushed to get it out before the elections and then we just revised it. We added 14 more pages to it. So that's coming out in the next couple of weeks. Mm. Do you have advice for that first time author that's looking to just even finish their book and then go through all those hoops you got to jump through? We had a publisher that helped us through a lot of that. And so, you know, we didn't self-publish it. And mm. I think advice I'd give anybody is just stay with it. I'm writing the second book and I'm dragging that out a lot longer than the first one. That's for sure. Because you, know, you get so busy with life and things of life that you just have to stay with it. 
Uh, that's what I was going to ask next. If you have a follow-up to this, uh, what are you doing differently this time around? You said you're slowing down a little bit because the pace isn't quite <laughs> so crazy. Anything that you learned the first time around that you're like, oh, I got to do it differently the next time? I think the first time around, we had a lot of mistakes in the book, and, and I was in a hurry to get it out instead of slowing down. I think that this time it's going to be a, a lot easier and a lot better than the first time around. Because you know, you, now you know what you're doing, you know what to expect. Do you have a specific person maybe in your life that's been most supportive and encouraging to you? Well, my wife has been. Mm. And of course, my two daughters. My one daughter is born in Ukraine, and they're an inspiration to me. Oh, that's wonderful. It's important to have not only a good publisher, like you said, behind you, but also just encouragement around you, just giving you the time and giving you that encouragement and support, because that's important. It's not easy work. Yes, you're right. It's just being patient and just mm -hmm. moving forward, getting the transcript done and sending it off and, and then fixing. After you look at it, after they type it up, fixing and going back and forth, there's just a lot of patience and it can become pretty tedious. Well, thanks for sticking it out for us, and we're looking forward to the next one. This one's called The Russians Are Coming, The Money Is Flowing, America Financing Ukraine's Corruption by S.P. Wingate. It's published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere you shop for your books on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Well, Steve, thanks again for joining me here tonight. I had a nice time meeting you and finding out about the book. Thank you, sir. It's my honor. Welcome to My Mind, the new book by Christy Burt Hance, has been described as not for the easily offended. Christy is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you for joining me here tonight, Christy. Thanks for having me. Can you tell me about Welcome to My Mind? Well, about five years ago, I was diagnosed with a heart disease, and I decided I had a lot of time on my hands, so I decided to write a book. Just put together a bunch of poetry and short stories, unsolicited advice, and random thoughts. Thought I'd go with it. And it came out into a nice little literary treasure. Have you ever written before or been published? I've never been published. I've written, written my whole life. Um, writing is my passion. Wow. So now after having written your whole life, now getting that first one out there, what's it feel like? Uh, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely amazing. I cried when I held my book in my hand. Oh. It's a lot of hard work. It was, you know, and I wanted to know, basically, bottom line, I just wanted to know, am I good enough? And I guess uh, it proves, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Everybody has a story to tell, and, and no matter who you are, where you come from, you have something to offer other people. So it's wonderful that you're getting your story and your thoughts out there. Do you have advice for people who are looking to maybe get their story out there? What would you tell them? I would tell them to jump in with both feet and just do it. The most they can tell you is no. You just got to do it. You follow, follow your dreams. What happens when you're sitting down to write and you get writer's block or you just don't feel like writing and you, you want to put it off? Is there a way you get yourself motivated? Sometimes I take a nap because I dream. And a lot of what I write about are based off dreams because I dream very vividly. Do you plan on continuing writing and maybe getting some more published? I do. I'm actually working on a second book right now. Oh, that's wonderful. Are you continuing in this vein, kind of a stream of consciousness, or are you going somewhere else? I'm actually going to put out a second book called Welcome to My Mind, A Deeper Dive. So we're going further in this time. Yes. <laughs> Is there a person in your life that you could say has been most influential, most inspirational to you during your whole writing journey? A lot of my friends from different aspects of my life have motivated me to do things 
it's not one particular person. Mm. My sister, when we were kids, she's eight years older than I am. Before I could even write, I would tell her stories and she would write them down for me. So I would have to put some on her, you know. (laughs) She's been a big influence for me. My best friend has always told me to start writing. Pick up a pen and just write, 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 because she's like, you're amazing. Mm. Other than that, you know, it's just my, it's my thing, I guess. It's like I said before, it's my passion in life. I love to write. I've never been a big reader, Mm. which is a little ironic. I write a book, but I don't like to read. (laughs) (laughs) That isn't all that uncommon, actually. It gives you, you have a whole different perspective than a lot of people. I do. I was thinking of my friends, actually, when I put this book out. Mm. I was not really like striving for a general population of a target audience. Mm. It was more so, like I said, can I do this, you know? Well, congratulations for doing it. It's a huge accomplishment. Well, thank and you. I encourage our listeners to check this out. It's called Welcome to My Mind by Christy Burt Hance. It's published by Fulton Books, and you can buy it everywhere that you buy books on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Well, Christy, thank you for coming on the show here with me tonight. I had a really nice time talking. Thank you for having me. It's a short book that's long on information. It's all about achieving personal and professional success. It's called Double Success. And the author, Dwayne Thomas, is talking with me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Dwayne, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here with me tonight. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Ms. Graham. This book sounds really interesting, Double Success. Uh, can you tell me what it's all about? Yes, Double Success is it's a plainly laid out system for generating success, both professionally and at home. The system is divided into two sections. Section one explains the double success philosophy. And section two shows how this philosophy can be customized by individuals to set their own set and achieve their own goals in life. What gave you the idea to write this? It was a combination of things. I had been mentoring people and helping individuals with this information for so long, and I thought that this was the best way to get this information out to a greater number of people. Have you written before? Have you been published before this? No, this is my first book. How does it feel now to be officially a published author? <laughs> it, feels, it feels great. Yeah. It feels great. Was it a long process, or was it easy for you? Well, actually, it it was a lot longer process than it should have been. Hmm. Writing the book was fairly easy, but uh, I started on it in uh, 2011. That's one year after my first retirement. Worked on it for a couple of years. I came out of retirement in 2013, and I kind of put it on the shelf. When I retired a second time in uh, 2017, I picked back up on it and finished it in 2019. Took a year to get it published, and voila, here we are. What'd you learn along the way? I'm sure it was an eye-opening process in a lot of ways. Uh, what would you say, maybe some advice to somebody who's about to do the same thing? I would say follow your heart. Get help if you need it and where you need it, but just don't stop. Don't give up. So from here, do you plan on writing some more, maybe getting some more out there? Well, actually, I, I do have another book in the process, but it's in the very beginning stages. It's too early for me to even talk about. Oh, in Double Success, uh, did you have like a target audience in mind? Like who would be the ideal person to benefit from this? I think anyone that's looking to 
improve their station in life and to improve how to get things done, how to set goals, how to achieve goals. Basically, what the book says, improve their life professionally and at home because the system, it's laid out with material that has worked for a couple of thousand years, basically, Mm. and been refined over the years by some great people. And I just took the things and put them into a format that worked for me. And I think that it'll work for a lot of people. It did for the individuals that I assisted along the way, mentoring and so forth. So it's not the individual, it's the system. And when the system is applied, it works. Yeah, it sure sounds like a a kind of book that has a broad reach. A lot of people will be able to to get a lot from this. Yes. When you're writing, do you ever deal with writer's block? I have. I don't know about other people. There were periods where I just couldn't figure out the best way to say what I wanted to say. But I found what worked best for me was starting with the end in mind. Mm. Whenever there was an important point or an event that was significant, And I would start from there and work backwards mentally and then make notes and then at a logical starting point, then work my way forward. That's a great strategy. Well, Dwayne, thank you for reaching out and trying to help others. And we all need double success, of course. So I encourage our listeners to check this out. It's called Double Success by Dwayne Thomas. It's published by Fulton Books. You can find it at Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, at iTunes, at Google Play, everywhere you shop for books. Well, Dwayne, thanks again for stopping by the show here tonight. I had a really nice time chatting. I appreciate you having me, and thank you again for having me on your show. Worlds Collide in A Gathering Storm, the first imaginative novel in the Age of Wonder series by author Lucas Fishhaber. Lucas and I are talking about it right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you for talking with me here tonight, Lucas. Hello, Corey. It's nice to be here with you. So can you tell me about A Gathering Storm? Sure. Gathering Storm is an adventure fantasy novel about a world 500 years after life had nearly ended. Reminders of this ancient and forgotten past saturate the landscape, leaving people constantly wondering what life must have been like. The story follows three young adult siblings eager to explore the world in their own unique way until the unexpected appearance of a creature of legend sets into motion an inevitable collision between an ancient forgotten history, the three siblings, and a power-hungry group focused on remaking the world in their own eyes. How will these three be changed, and will they be able to regain the peace they once knew? Wow, sounds like quite a story. What were the beginnings of this? What inspired this story? Uh, Was there something in particular that gave you the idea? Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, it it all started with my favorite book, which is God's Word. Mm. That's what's been my guiding principle along the whole way. This really has been a family story. So it started with just me uh, sharing stories with my kids, and we would build stories together as a family. Those stories ended up building into this idea and concept And I decided one day that I was enjoying it so much that I just wanted to create a story for my kids to enjoy. Like I said, this is book one in the series. Do you have a plan for how far you're going to go into it? And then how how far are you into actually writing it? It's a series. And thanks to my son, Micah, the series is going to be quite long just because of an awesome idea that he had. So right now, book one finished, and I'm working on a novelette, 
which is a bridge between book one and book two. And I'm about halfway done with book two as well. So I'm planning on going, it's, it's going to be about six books at least, but there's a lot of rich and meaningful history to uncover and, and unpack and some really great characters to, you know, really get to know and, and discover. So it's been a labor of love and just an awesome journey. And I wouldn't be surprised if it would grow beyond that six books. You know, it was funny you mentioned the novelette that bridges book one and book two. And I, I think as you find, you know, the writing journey goes and you keep writing about things, other things will pop up, other stories will come up, maybe some other tales to tell here. So as you write, things happen to grow out of it sometimes. They most certainly do. And and that's that's been the just pure joy of this whole process, being able to write this, this story where it, it has a very meaningful impact, just the discovery that happens along the way. Mm. Yeah, a lot of symbolism and an allegory here. Did you have a target readership in mind for this? Yeah, the uh, target reader is, uh, the audience is young adult, 12 and above. What's your writing background like? Is this your first journey into it or have you been doing it for a while? Actually, my background is nuclear engineering. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I was, uh, I'm a Army veteran, a nuclear engineer, master's in that. I actually don't even hold a degree in writing, but honestly, it's been uh, just a passion that I actually didn't realize I had a passion for until it was just uh, kind of set upon me to sit down and start writing. And once I did, I quickly found that I deeply enjoyed what I did. And so I just dove in, you know, with both feet and just started consuming everything I could about how to craft a story that would be engaging and moving for the reader. It's great to hear you found such joy in the writing process. The book is called A Gathering Storm. It's book one of the Age of Wonder series. It's by Lucas Fishauber and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it at Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, at your traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well, everywhere you shop for your reading material. Lucas, thanks again for stopping by the show here with me tonight. I had a really nice time talking with you. Yeah, thank you, Corey. It was, it was my pleasure. It's comforting to imagine a guardian angel coming to your aid. And author Marcella A. Fries explores this in her new book, Everybody Has a Guardian Angel. I'm talking about the book right now with Marcella. Marcella, thank you for being here with me tonight. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. Can you tell me about Everybody Has a Guardian Angel? The book is about starting a relationship with God. And without God, there wouldn't be the angels. With God, everything's possible. What gave you the inspiration or the idea to write this? My grandchildren gave me the idea because of the challenges. The world has changed since my children were raised. Mm. There's the influence of the internet, handheld technology, social media. My children didn't have those. Mm. Our grandchildren, our children that are being born right now are bombarded with emotions and everything that goes on out there. I mean, who thought we would be ever teaching a child a pandemic or any of those words associated with 2020 and now 2021? Right. Children just aren't prepared to manage those kinds of emotions. And the smallest thing for a child can turn into a lifelong fear. So it's up to us as parents, grandparents, any caregiver to guide them and help them. This book gives them an option. Well, it's for me, it's the only option where to go when life becomes challenging. 
So you would say this is a book geared mainly towards parents of younger children. Oh, definitely. This book is for parents and grandparents. They're the target readers. Parents struggle through no fault of their own Hmm. with everything that's going on in the world to get up every day. Some are working through their homes now. They don't know where to start Hmm. when it comes to God. This is the beginning. What's your writing background like? Have you written a book before? Have you been published? Absolutely not. (laughs) And if nothing, if you would have told me when I was 20 or 30 or 40 that I would write a book, I would say, oh no, (laughs) you're wrong. My weakest would be the English writing. I was like, no, no, sorry. Uh Uh-uh. I'll do anything but that. (laughs) Wow. So no, I, I couldn't ever imagined I would write a book. Do you have any other words of wisdom that you could offer to aspiring authors? Don't give up. Seek help. Have a passion for the subject matter and be patient. And it doesn't hurt to say a prayer and God will lead you if you let him. Mm. Oh, sometimes I say make it obvious too. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Sometimes you have to, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So what's next? Do you have plans on writing another? As my grandchildren get older... The angel conversation is going to get a little older. Mm. So I have a small snippet I can give you today. Wow, that'd be great. God plucked a star from the sky and placed it into your heart. That tiny light spread and filled your body with life. That is called your soul. You cannot see your soul, just like you cannot see air, but it is there and you need it to live. Only God can create a soul. And God gives everyone a soul. Beautiful. Thank you, Marcella. You're welcome. The book is Everybody Has a Guardian Angel by Marcella A. Fries. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Marcella, thank you again for coming by the show here today. I had a really nice time chatting with you. You're welcome. I did too. Have a great day. Psalms in Clear English is the new book by Ron Bannock that encourages deeper understanding of Scripture so readers can spread the good news to others. I'd like to welcome Ron to the show here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Ron, thanks for being here with me tonight. Glad to be with you here, Corey. So your new book, Psalms in Clear English, just came out. Can you tell us what it's all about? Yes. First of all, some background. Uh, It is the last of uh, a series of books I've written called the In Clear English series, kind of a capstone to my late-in-life writing career. I'm 76 now. I've done the New Testament that includes Paul in Clear English, his 14 books, one gospel using the harmony of the gospel's approach to a single chronological account, and Acts, General Epistles, and Revelation. In addition to that, there's Proverbs and this most recent book now, Psalms, which has an index and a theological summary. What I tend to do here is, it's not a a new way of looking at Psalms, but it does elucidate meaning and its related theology. Hmm. I could give you an example of that, like Psalm 5111, where David is praying to the Lord, and he says, keep me close to you and keep the Holy Spirit within me. Well, the note that follows, I have interversal notes uh, right after that between verses, and it says, uh, the Holy Spirit came and went in the Old Testament. And most people know that today, whereas the Holy Spirit remains within 
the person today. Mm. So the question that one might ask, or probably should be asking at this point, is what is the New Testamental parallel? And it is, keep me filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm. That's what the person praying would be thinking of today. Now, it's not translated like that. It's translated the way David says it. But you should be thinking that it, what you lack today is uh, being continually filled. And it's a command. So we have to do that. Well, I like your perspective on this. You're a veteran author. Uh, you've been publishing here for a while. What advice would you give to new authors, maybe to authors that haven't published yet? They're looking on getting their first one out there. Well, it takes a lot of work. I have to say that. Some of the work I like, like in writing, uh, I like the initial construction and laying down thought, getting the words right. Mm. But then there's the review period. Mm. <laughs> Back and forth review, looking for commas and periods that don't belong there. That is tedious, yeah. but you have to put up with that. It's all part of it. The point is, it's a lot of work. Writing is a lot of work. You should be writing about something you love. And if you don't do that, that's the beginning of doing what you do best in life, being motivated. Faith, hope, and love is what motivates you. And love is the key one in there. So you actually pick something you love or like, and you go after that. And you will succeed if you do that. Mm, Ron, this is obviously something that you love. And I encourage our listeners to check this out. This book is called Psalms in Clear English by Ron Bannock. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. And you can find it everywhere that you pick up your books at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Well, Ron, thanks again for stopping by the show here with me tonight. I had a really nice time talking with you. Thank you. Very glad to have spoken with you. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.